I want to say hey to my City Church family, and I want to welcome those guests who are joining us online. You know, back before this coronavirus uh, began, uh, back in January, I had planned our teaching schedule and the topics we were going to look at from January all the way through August. I was real excited about it. But once I realized how trying these days would become and, and certainly have been, I realized we needed to change what we were looking at in the scriptures. And so I decided for us to look at a portion of the Christian scriptures written to followers of Jesus who were facing trying times of their own. And so since Easter, we've been studying a letter written by James, the half-brother of Jesus, who was a key leader in the early church. And James wrote his letter to followers of Jesus who were facing trying times. You see, a cultural crisis had become a financial crisis for many of them. And under the pressure of their trials, what was inside those followers of Jesus was coming out of them. And some of what came out of them, you would sort of expect. Uh, they were having some struggles with their faith. They were having some struggles with fear. And I think we, you would expect that. But there were some other things coming out of them that were not so expected, especially by their leaders. There was a stinginess toward the poor. There was a showing of favoritism to the rich. There was a dead, useless kind of faith coming out of them. And then we saw last week, there were hurtful words coming out of them. This week, we're going to look at something else that was coming out of them under the pressure of their trials. And that is angry conflict. Now, I've been honest with you guys, you know, as we've gone through this series about my own struggles with anger. And once I realized that I really was an angry person and I wrestled with that emotion, I wanted to get at the root issues feeding my anger. And honestly, it took me a couple of years to really get at the deepest levels of what was causing anger in my life. And one of the sources of my anger I came to discover was my dysfunctional ways of handling conflict. Sometimes when I got into conflict, I would fight in inappropriate, aggressive ways. And then at other times, I would deal with conflict by not dealing with conflict. I would just stuff it down. And what that led to was emotional pain within me and hurt relationships within me. And so those internal uh, hurts, those wounds, it's like uh, it made me hypersensitive to any other irritation or agitation that came my way. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like if you have a festering wound, it just takes a little bit of agitation to cause a great big response. And so I realized that a part of my anger issues related to my ineffective ways of dealing with conflict and the hurts that come with them. So how are you at handling conflict? You know, in my 30 years as a pastor, I found that most people, even followers of Jesus, do not handle conflict well. You see, handling conflict requires skill. It requires intentionality. And in fact, most of the pastors on my staff, we have you know, numerous pastors who meet with you, with congregates and people in the community who are wrestling with issues in their marriage, in their families, and they tell me the number one issue causing uh, challenges in marriages and in families and in the workplace is dysfunctional ways of handling conflict. So how are you handling your conflict? Do you handle your conflict well? 
Do you handle it at all? What would your coworkers say? What would your employees say? What would your family members and your kids say? What would your spouse say? And maybe a part of what you're wrestling with is unresolved conflict within you. And so this is, this is how you can sense that there's unresolved conflict in you towards someone. Like, do you notice when a certain coworker comes into the, to a room that the tension rises within you? Or do you notice some animosity stirring within you when this certain family member shows up at a holiday dinner? Or maybe you're going through an awkward season in a relationship and you sense it, you know it. Maybe it's with your kids, maybe it's with your parents, maybe it's with your spouse. It could be unresolved conflict within you. Now, we're going to look at what James says about the source of our conflicts and how to resolve conflicts in healthy ways. And over the next 25 minutes, I'm going to do my best to, to walk us through James's teaching about conflict and to give you some practical steps to begin to resolve conflict in a healthy way in all of your relationships. But I want you to think for a moment. I want, I want to be able to apply this to a real relationship where you know you've got conflict. And so I want you to think about someone in your life, someone with whom you sense you have unresolved conflict with, or maybe someone that you know that when you have conflict, you tend to handle it in an unhealthy way. I want you to apply these teachings to a real relationship and a real person. Okay, you got it? A part of rising up, and that's been our theme this season, a part of rising up as followers of Jesus is becoming a people who handle and respond to conflict in healthy ways. And so I want us to look at what James has to say about conflict. But before we do that, I want, I want to make sure we're, we're, we remember like the situation that he's speaking into. So if you remember, James is writing in a situation where persecution had broken out uh, amongst the believers in the ancient city of Jerusalem. It was so intense that they had to flee their city and they, they fled into the surrounding regions of Judea and Samaria and Galilee. And so what happened was at that point, those believers who had been living in Jerusalem lost their jobs, they became homeless, and they became people in need. But they moved into areas where other followers of Jesus were living at their home. They had their jobs, they had their homes, so they were living in relative security. And that created a real sense of tension within the church. And it became a season of testing. Those in need were tested in how they would respond to their financial crisis. And they were wrestling with anger toward those who had, you know, you had the haves and the have-nots. They were, they were wrestling with jealousy toward those who were secure and safe in their homes. And then it became a season of testing for the rich. Would they rise up and would they be generous and compassionate toward those who are in need? And so imagine both of those sets of groups, they're both followers of Jesus, coming together in one church. Well, it was a recipe for conflict. And so G James writes these words to them. This is James chapter four, verse one. <clears throat> what causes fights and quarrels among you? Okay, so he's gonna get at the root cause. The, he's gonna get at the source of fights and quarrels. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. 
so you kill. And he means kill with your words and your actions. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Now, here James is talking about unhealthy conflict. There is a kind of conflict that is healthy, and I'll talk about that in a few moments. But I want to get at unhealthy conflict. And I first want, to, want us to notice something that it's obvious, but I think it's significant, so I want to make sure we get it. These first followers of Jesus wrestled and struggled with unhealthy conflict. They were having fights. They were having quarrels. And so I just want to say to you, if you struggle with handling conflict well, if you struggle with quarrels and fights, you're not alone. You're in good company. Most of us do. And so what I want us to notice is what James says causes the fights and the quarrels. And he's talking about the unhealthy conflict between us. According to James, it's the selfish desires and wrong motives within us. And he paints a picture, it's an interesting picture, that these selfish desires and wrong motives, it's like they're battling within us. And what he says is we battle with others because we battle within. James tells us that a key to resolving conflict involves looking within instead of looking at others to resolve conflict. Because let's just all be honest. Normally in a conflict, we get focused on what the other person is doing wrong, how they're not handling the situation right, right? I mean, we're focused on their motives, their wrong desires. We're, we're focused on their words, their actions, and the ones that are wrong. And so it's like we think, you know what? I wouldn't be in conflict if she wasn't so jealous, or I wouldn't be in conflict if he wasn't so picky, or we wouldn't be in conflict if they weren't such jerks. Our tendency is to look at the other person and to blame them for the majority of the conflict. But here James prods us to look within. And he challenges us to examine our own hearts, to see if we have any selfish desires, if we have any wrong motives that are fueling our part of the conflict. You see, that's our part of resolving conflict in a healthy way is to be honest about any selfish desires or wrong motives that's feeding the conflict. Peace begins when we deal with what's battling within us. And when I was meditating on this verse and thinking about like what it meant, uh, I remember something that happened to me years ago in Liberia. Now, a few weeks ago, you guys know that a city church, along with another local church, sent about $12,000 to a nonprofit organization that our church helped establish called Liberia Now, which is in West Africa. We sent it in response to the coronavirus pandemic, which is now spread into their part of the world. And I asked a pastor there who is our point leader for Liberia Now, that nonprofit that we started, I asked him what we could do to help them get through this uh, season. And uh, he sent us a request for food, bag, large bags of rice to give to families who are in need. He sent a request for us to send PPE items, you know, medical supplies for the clinic that's on his church property. And he also asked us to send them cleaning station supplies so they can establish cleaning stations at every home in the community if that home doesn't have one. And so we, we did that, we sent that, and I just want uh, to say that this is why it's so important for 
all of us when we're going through seasons like this to give generously. When you give generously to City Church, to the City Church movement, we take 10% of what you give to the movement and we send it to our social action partners. And that's why we were able to respond so quickly to this need that they have. And so I want to say to those of you who have been giving generously, thank you and continue to rise up and give generously. And we'll make sure that what you give makes a difference. Now, I, I brought up Liberia because I was remembering the second time I went to a Liberia to, you know, to set up this ministry and to establish this program for holistic help to this uh, impoverished nation. We were meeting with leaders and we were making all kinds of strategic plans uh, for uh, water wells that we uh, put in different communities where they didn't have clean water, for microloans to help start businesses for the working poor, and a school that we established and helped build and fund. And while we were having these meetings with the pastors, I noticed out of the corner of my eye that uh, the ladies who were serving us meals, they were washing the dishes in an open well out in the middle of the compound. And that, they were just doing that because that's what they normally did. And, and I thought, hmm, I wonder if that's good. But honestly, I didn't think much about it until later that night. You see, I started to have a conflict within. And the conflict within led to all kinds of conflict without, if you know what I'm saying. And at first, <laughs> I tried to de deal with the symptoms. You know how you do? So I started chug-a-lugging Pepto-Bismol. I started taking Imodium AD. Shoot, I would have drank concrete if I thought it would have stopped me up in some way. But nothing worked. And then I finally got home back to the United States. I went to see my doctor and he gave me all kinds of powerful antibiotics and antiparasitic uh, meds. And it finally helped me get peace on the inside. You see, my doctor dealt with the source of the conflict, not the symptoms. And once I got peace inside, I got peace outside. And that's what James is saying here. If you want to have peace on the outside, if you want to have peace in your relationships, the starting point is in here. You have to get peace within. You have to test your heart to see if you have any selfish desires or wrong motives fueling the fire of this conflict. So what do you do? What do you do if you realize that you may have some wrong motives fueling this conflict that you're in? James continues. This is James chapter four, verse seven. James writes, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Now, did you notice James doesn't start with the symptoms of conflict. He didn't say stop arguing, stop fighting, stop quarreling. He could have said that, but that's not where he starts. He starts with their hearts. And he tells them, look, you got to get your heart right first. And you get your heart right with God. And so he said, submit yourselves to God. Draw near to God. Humble yourselves before God by admitting where your heart is not right. And once you do that, once you begin to get a sense of peace within you, 
you can then work on getting peace outside of you. Folks, humility is always the right place to start when you have a conflict with someone. I'm going to say that again. Humility is always the right place to start when you're in conflict with someone. And if you will get humble, this is what James is telling us, if you will get humble and get honest before God about your part in the conflict, wherever you're wrong in it, this is what's so beautiful. He promises that God will draw near to you and he will lift you up. Isn't that beautiful? That's the kind of God we serve and worship. Our God is so awesome. He wants to draw near to us even when we've messed things up. He wants to lift us up even when we have let him down. God is so awesome. And what James is telling us is if we'll get peace with God, that'll help us get peace in our hearts. And then we can begin to deal with the symptoms of the conflict and address what's coming out of us. And that's what James addresses next in the next part of his letter. This is James chapter four, verse 11, where he writes, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. There is only one lawgiver and judge. And he's talking about God. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? And so here James is telling us, he's sort of painting a picture of what humble people are like. Humble people, when they're in a conflict, they don't slander uh, other people. Humble people in in a conflict, they don't speak against other people and tearing them down with our words. And humble people, when they're in a conflict, they don't judge the other person. You see, when we have conflict with people, our tendency is to judge the other person. And sometimes we can judge people with our words. Sometimes we judge them through emails and texts and posts. Sometimes we judge people with looks. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever given somebody the look? Sometimes we judge people with passive-aggressive avoidance or with the silent treatment. Have you ever used the silent treatment on someone? (laughs) Well, you're judging someone with it, right? And what James is encouraging us is to not settle for slandering others, speaking against others, or judging others with our words when we're in a conflict. Because how many of you know that never leads to peace? So City Church... A part of rising up as followers of Jesus is becoming a people who resolve conflict in humble and helpful, healthy ways. Jesus called people like that peacekeepers. Can you say that with me? Uh, Peacemakers, sorry. Can you say peacemaker with me? Jesus said this in the famous Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And with those words, Jesus cast vision to his followers, not only to desire to be a people who live in peace with their relationships, but to become a people who make peace. You see, peace doesn't just happen. You've got to make peace. And that's what James is talking about here. He's calling us to become a movement of people 
who are peacemakers. And so at this point, I want to give you some practical advice so that we can all become a movement of peacemakers. First piece of advice, peacemakers admit their negative tendencies. Now, over the years, uh, I've noticed that there are two broad negative tendencies that people tend to have that are dysfunctional ways of responding to conflict. There are avoiders and then there are fighters. Now, avoiders deal with conflict by not dealing with conflict. Avoiders don't tend to acknowledge conflict and they don't acknowledge how conflict makes them feel. Avoiders can tend to run from relationships when conflict happens because they don't think it's normal. They don't think it's healthy. And so the only thing they know to do is to run from that relationship to get away from it. Avoiders often suppress conflict within them. And so they tend to struggle with uh, inner passive aggressive forms of anger like sarcasm and speaking bitter resentful words and little acts of contempt and depression. Avoiders create an environment where it seems like there's no conflict when we all know there really is. And it's a dysfunctional way of facing conflict. Second dysfunctional way are the fighters. <laughs> fighters respond to conflict by fighting in inappropriate, unhealthy ways. A fighter's goal in a conflict is normally to win, and sometimes at all costs. Fighters may use anger. They may power up with their personality to win a fight. Sometimes fighters will like stir division and factions and conflict between other people, trying to get people on their side to win the conflict. Fighters can argue, they can scream, they can debate, they can manipulate, and at their worst, they can literally hit and hurt people, as some of you know all too well. Fighters try to pummel people into peace, and we all know that's not really peace. So peacemakers admit their negative tendencies. It's important for you to admit yours in this process of becoming a peacemaker. Now, secondly, peacemakers, and we talked about this, but I want to make sure, I want to bring it in again. Peacemakers pursue peace on the inside first. Peacemakers get our hearts right first. We deal with any unhealthy, uh, any selfish desires, any wrong motives, and any unhealthy actions that we've brought into the conflict. Because how many of you know if you want to make a relationship right, you got to get your heart right first. And peacemakers deal with what's inside them first. Peacemakers also listen quickly. They not only listen to God quickly, which we talked about a few weeks ago, they also listen to the people with whom they're having conflict. Peacemakers seek to understand the other person's perspective in a conflict. Peacemakers seek to understand before being understood. Peacemakers give the benefit of, a doubt, of the doubt in a conflict. And being quick to listen as a peacemaker, it means not being defensive. That means not making excuses for what happened or you're part of the conflict like, oh, well, I just had a bad day or, well, you know, I had a busy week. When you say words like that, you're telling the other person that you're in conflict with, I'm not listening. Being quick to listen also means not to minimize the words of another person. You minimize when you say something like this. 
oh, it's not that bad. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. When somebody is telling you it is a big deal. When you do that, you're minimizing the hurt the other person feels. And then finally, being quick to listen means not invalidating the other person. You invalidate when you don't acknowledge the wrong or the pain that was caused. You invalidate when you say words like this. Well, you shouldn't feel that way. Oh, I didn't mean to hurt you. And when you say words like that, you're telling the other person, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. Peacemakers are quick to listen. And then finally, peacemakers speak slowly. Peacemakers wait until they test their hearts, till they get their motives right, so they make sure that what's coming out of, out of them comes out of as, as much as possible out of a pure heart where you're really trying to bring unity and oneness in the relationship where you have conflict. And so I found that it's important for peacemakers when you do have the conversation about the conflict to not use accusatory you statements, but to use revealing I statements. And so let me give you a few examples. Don't say, you make me angry when... Instead, say something like, you know, I feel angry when you do this or when you say that. See how it's different? You don't say, well, you always criticize and judge me. Instead, say an I statement. I feel rejected when you criticize and judge me and it hurts. Don't say, well, you built a wall between us. See, that, that makes them the one who did it. Instead, say something like, you know, I don't like the wall that has come between us. And I don't think you do either. Can we bring it down together? Peacemakers peace speak slowly. They speak life into relationships. And they seek to speak words that bring peace and bring unity and bring love into a relationship, not inflame it. But here's the deal in resolving conflict. According to James, according to Jesus, Someone's got to stop, start the process of bringing unity and peace where there's conflict. And according to James and Jesus, it's the person who realizes there's unhealthy conflict or unresolved conflict. And so if that's you, you're the one that needs to initiate resolving the conflict. Even if you didn't start it, and even if you're not the most wrong in the conflict, peacemakers pursue peace. And I promise you, if you will rise up and become a peacemaker in your life and in your relationships, you can experience peace where there is conflict at this time. Now, I remember uh, when a woman came to me after one of our services and she asked if, if I would pray for her and, and I was able to do it that day. And so I said, sure, how can I pray for you? And she said, well, would you pray for my marriage? And I said, well, sure, man. I, I mean, I love praying for people's marriages, but I wanted to know a little bit more. And I said, uh, why do you need me to pray for your marriage? Or how can I pray for your marriage? And she said, well, we're really having problems. We fight all the time. And so I decided to ask her another question. Why do you fight all the time? And she paused for a moment and looked down. And then she looked up and said, because I'm an angry woman. And I wish you could have seen her face that day. She knew if she didn't deal with what was inside of her, she might ruin their relationship. 
And so I prayed with her about her anger. I talked to her about my own anger issues. I prayed for her marriage. But then I encouraged her. I said, you know, you've got to deal with what's going on inside of you and get peace inside of you and healing inside of you. And so I urged her, I challenged her to go through our Peel the Onion program, which is the program that helps us peel back the layers of our lives so that we can get healing from past hurts and so that we can uh, surface and get rid of dysfunctional ways of living and dealing, in this case, with conflict. And so anyway, I prayed for her and I challenged her to go through that program. Well, a few years later, I was walking out of the auditorium into the lobby and she noticed me and asked if she could speak to me. And she came up to me and I wish, I wish I could show you two pictures of her face before and after. That day, her face it just looked peaceful and she had a smile on her face and she said, Pastor, Pastor, I'm so grateful that you prayed for me a couple of years ago. She reminded me of the conversation She said, things have really changed in my life. And she said, our marriage has just turned around. And then she reached out her hand and her husband was standing near. I didn't didn't know uh, he was her husband. And he took her hand and they came over. And here's what I realized. Now, instead of fighting with each other, they were serving with each other. Peace inside, peace outside. I'm calling on you to rise up and let us be a movement of peacemakers. That is how we will thrive in life. Let me pray for you. And so I want you to go back and think of that person with whom you have conflict. Maybe unresolved conflict, or it may be a person uh, where you have conflict in unhealthy ways. Maybe you fight, or maybe you keep stuffing it, stuffing it, because you don't want to talk about it. So Lord, my prayer first is that you would help us realize and recognize if there are any selfish desires or wrong motives driving us in this conflict. Help us to see it. Help us to admit it to you and help us to admit it to the person we're in conflict with. And I pray, Lord, that if if someone listening to me today is involved in unhealthy conflict, Help that person see a path, see a way to begin to bring health into that relationship and health into that conflict. And then I pray, Lord, for those who would say that they're in, they've got unresolved conflict in their lives. I pray that you would help them uh, see the, the, the wise path, path, the humble path, the godly path, the loving path to surface the conflict and bring it to a place of uh, resolving and resolution. Lord, above all, I ask you to help us be peacemakers in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, and in our community. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.